Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbury. Well... Transparency and accountability. Transparency and accountability. Accountability and transparency. I want to be accountable. Hold elected officials accountable. Elected officials should be transparent. Where is the transparency? What does that mean? Those two words, transparency and accountability. Transparent and being accountable. Transparency is the condition of being transparent. Now, that's stupid. I hate definitions like that. Transparent is an image, text, positive transparent photograph printed on transparent plastic or glass to be able to be viewed clearly to see through. Looking at it from the humanities or the behavioral sciences political sciences, and things like that. It says transparency as used in science, engineering, business, and the humanities, and in other social contexts like psychological sciences and political sciences is operating in such a way that it is easy for others to see what actions are being performed. Transparency implies openness communication, and accountability. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, now what is accountability and what does it mean? What's its definition? Well, let's take a look at that. All right, so accountability is defined as the fact or condition of being, you guessed it, accountable. What's that? Responsible or responsibility, having answerability or a liability to it in looking at that word as it relates to the sciences and the humanities like again business or science or psychology or political science in ethics and governance accountability is answerability blameworthiness a liability that you accept the expectation of account giving, saying, I'll take that. As an aspect of governance, it has been central to discussions related to problems in the public sector, meaning government, the nonprofit areas and private corporations, and individual contexts. 
In leadership roles, accountability is the acknowledgement and the assumption of responsibility for actions, products, decisions, policies, including administration and governance, and the implementation within the scope of the role or employment position and encompassing the obligation to report, explain, and be answerable for resulting consequences. Now, what does that mean to us? What does that mean to citizens in a local government? Hello, folks. This is the 39th episode of Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode on whatever medium that you're listening to it on, be it iTunes or Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, or if you're listening at the home station of perception.fireside.fm. I ask that you take a second and that you share this episode Share the podcast and the entire message with those that you know on social media, maybe people that you don't necessarily know, your friends, your family. Help get this message out and help share this podcast. Again, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. We talk about topics such as transparency and accountability within local government and a lot, lot more. But we need to get the message out. We need to get more people coming to the platform and being a part of the discussion on both sides. So today we're going to talk about transparency and accountability and specifically how those two words relate within the local government and how we as citizens should demand transparency and demand accountability, how officials might want to shirk back from their responsibility of those two, how candidates may promise them, but we may see different once they actually get in office, and what we can do to fight for those two things and how they are of absolute importance. And after this quick break, we're going to get into the thick of it, talking about transparency and accountability and how as citizens who are involved, we have a right to demand transparency and accountability to be active within all local government. You're listening to Perception is Reality, and I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. Perception. Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. Let's do accountability. Do accountability. Let's do accountability. All together now. Let's do accountability. Do accountability. Let's do accountability. Even the Democrats. Let's do accountability. And you Republicans over there? Let's do accountability. And even Nora Powell. Let's do accountability. Do accountability. Let's do accountability. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a fun sing along. Let's do some accountability. And if we're lucky, maybe a little transparency too. But I mean, okay, in all seriousness, let's get back to it. We know what the political scientists say. We know what Webster's Dictionary says. But what the hell are these two words? Why are they so important? Or maybe they're not important. You tell me. I tend to think they are of the utmost importance. But I'm a little weird. I, I understand that. But 
Let's look at it, folks. I mean, is accountability them sitting, I mean them, meaning your officials, sitting before you in a council meeting or in a interview with a local paper saying, well, this is what we're doing, this is the budget, and this is it, and that's that? Is that all? Is that transparency and accountability? Or is it answering questions when they are asked? Is it allowing you the opportunity to talk, but just staring at you? What is accountability to you? You're the electorate. You vote where you vote, whether you live in Winchester or Muncie or Anderson or Indianapolis or outside of Indiana, where you vote, you're voting for those people. So as the electorate in those areas, you have to determine what that means, what those two words mean to you, what you feel you deserve. You have to determine that you're important enough and that the people that are up there that you elect to be the mayor, to be the sheriff, to be the prosecutor, to be the judge, to be the city council, the county council, the county commissioners. Yeah, they have those jobs. Yes, some of them are attorneys. Yeah, in the case of the sheriff, you're electing the cop, the top cop, the coroner. They do all these things and they have all these important jobs, but they're no different than you and I. If you don't elect that person sheriff, then he's not the sheriff. If you don't elect that person mayor, then he's not the mayor. If you sign up to run and you meet the qualifications, now, the qualifications for 90% of the offices are you have to be a voter. So, like, for example, in the state of Indiana, you could run for mayor or for city council as long as you're 18 years of age or older and you do not have a felony that you are convicted of or pled guilty to that is on your record as a felony. So you have to be able to meet that criteria. You don't have to be an attorney. You don't have to have been a politician. I mean, I hate when people say that. Well, I think that people ought to leave these offices to the people who have the experience. Well, who has the experience? If somebody runs for the first time, yeah, they don't have the experience, but what about the first time that all these other people ran? You know, you can't look at the people in office and say, well, they are so much better than everybody else, or they're so much better than me. I can't run because I have no experience. Well, neither did Joe Blow congressman or Joe Blow mayor or Joe Blow counselor when they ran the first time. Everybody is a newbie their first time out. So all you have to do is meet the limited qualification that there is for you to sign up to run for and hold the office if elected, and that's it. And it's real easy to find in your state.
Now, yes, there are some elected official positions that require a little bit extra training or a little bit extra something, like being the prosecutor requires you to be an attorney who's passed the bar. Being a circuit court judge requires you to be an attorney that's passed the bar. Some states, to be the coroner, you have to be a medical examiner, which is a doctor. In the state of Indiana, you do not have to be a doctor to be coroner. So all you have to be in the state of Indiana to be elected coroner is a voter that does not have a felony on his or her record. So that's it. To be sheriff, it doesn't require you to be a police officer because the office of sheriff is a constitutional office. So it's there, and there have been cases in different areas where that's happened. My personal opinion is I would never elect somebody that wasn't in some type of law enforcement, didn't have experience in some way. I just wouldn't do it. I just would not do it. Delaware County at one point had a chief deputy sheriff that was not a police officer. He had been a criminal justice professor. And uh, I guess he did all right. I don't particularly think that makes much sense in my mind. I, I respect my law enforcement, and I feel as though those jobs ought to be handled by people who have experience. You can't just be someone from the community that's watched Law and & Order and been like, all right, I'm going to be the sheriff and then do it. I mean, technically, you could win. I don't see how that would be possible, but if you got enough votes, you would win and you would be the sheriff. But... For everything else, to be city council or to be the mayor, you don't have to have anything other than being 18 years of age or older and file the correct paperwork. So nobody up there right now, I don't care whether they're in their first term or in their 12th term, I don't care where they're at, nobody is more important than you or I. So... First, that's the first thing we need to understand. You guys, as the electorate, as the citizens, whether it's in the same community as I am, or the neighboring community, or any other community in America, you need to realize that your elected officials work for you. So what is accountability to you for the people that you're paying and the people that you're putting in those positions to make the decisions and to go to the meetings and to do the research if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Are they held accountable? When you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, are you held accountable? If you're a student in college or when you were a student in high school, if you didn't do your homework, you got in trouble, you got bad grades, there was accountability there. You might get a letter sent home from the principal to your parents. If you are screwing up at your work, you know, your boss is going to hold you accountable. So why would anybody feel as though elected officials shouldn't be held accountable? You know, I don't understand it. it this is like a complete systemic breakdown across all governments everywhere where the people in power feel like they shouldn't be held accountable 
and the community, we all bitch about this, but then nobody really does anything. You know, if we actually held them accountable, then they would think, holy shit, look, they're, they're coming for us. They're, they're going to keep us doing right or we're not going to be here. And really simple, the long and short of it. And I'll just, I'll just say it real easy right out here so everybody can understand. Here is what the situation is. As a citizen, you tell your elected official, this is what I want you to do. This is how I feel about this. This is how I want you to represent me in your capacity as a counselor, in your capacity as a mayor, in your capacity as the sheriff or judge or whatnot. And if that elected official doesn't do that, then you vote that person out next time. Don't give them another four years. Don't give them another two years. Don't play. Vote them out. And here's what happens. It's politics. It's voting. So it's the majority wins. If the majority of the citizens get up and say, look, we're tired of this crap. And like, I'll give you an example from the city of Winchester, my hometown. If we say, look, we're tired of Professor Byram, who's supposed to be the elected mayor until December 31st. We're tired of him going to another job throughout the day, five days a week, and working as a school teacher, and not being in the office, and not taking care of his duties as mayor, yet collecting a check. And we're tired of this. So we are asking the council to say something to him on the record and at least make it public. There's, we know there's nothing they can do. They can't force him out of it. But we want everybody on board that the town thinks that this is bullshit. And the council says, well, we really don't want to do that or we think this or that. And then we say, well, guess what? All the council members who are currently at the table now, if you don't do that, we're going to vote you out in November and we're going to vote in a whole new town board, council, whatever you want to call them, and they are going to do what we want. And if they don't, guess what? We're going to vote your asses out. If we have a state representative that's not pushing through the bills that we want, that the district says this is what we're focusing on, we go to that state representative and we say, hey, uh, next time we want you to do this, this, and this. And if he doesn't do it, boom, in two years, we vote his or her ass out. If in the city of Muncie, you tell your council, I don't want Nora Powell leading the finance committee any longer. So I want the council president to take Nora Powell out of the finance chair position. And if you don't do it, then come this election, we're going to vote you out of office and we'll get a counselor in that position that will remove her. Or better yet, we just remove Nora Powell from office. And that's how, on the most basic level, accountability works in government. We'll get to transparency here in a second. But accountability works like this. You've had officials in office for one year, two year, three year, 12 years, however many years they've been in office, and you look at where you're at. Okay, are we better in September of 2019 than we were in September of 2015? 
Yes or no? If you're in a better position in September of 2019 in your community than you were four years before, then give your officials a praise, give your officials a pat on the back, and vote them in again and consider yourself lucky. If you take stock in your community and the events and what's happened and what's going on and where we're set for the future looking forward, and if you say, oh God, we are worse off in September of 2019 than we were in September of 2015, then that's where accountability has to come into play. First of all, we have to ask all the officials, whose fault is this? Now, like most officials, they're going to say, well, not me, not me, him, her, they're, and you say, nah, that's not being accountable. I'm looking for the person to stand up and say, you know what? I screwed up. Let me give you another good example of this, whether you're from Muncie or, or the surrounding areas or you're from outside. So in the last couple months, our council in the city of Muncie has been dropping the ball in vetting a process to bring a steel dust facility to the city of Muncie that was maybe or maybe not going to poison a bunch of people. It was going to be crazy. It was going to bring in like 90 to 100 jobs. And it sounded wonderful at first, but then the citizens in mass said, no, we do not want this. And you had council members doing all sorts of crazy stuff, saying they were for, saying they were against, not saying anything under the advice of council, playing it up because we are also in election time, so that drives people as well. But you had one councilor, Doug Marshall, the council president, District 1 councilor of the city of Muncie, said, you know what? I am not for this if my constituents are not for this, and I'm going to do whatever I can do to stop this. I don't care what my city council attorney says. I don't care what the other councilors say. I have heard overwhelmingly from my constituents, I am against this because they are against this. That dude deserves a round of applause. No matter what you think of him, no matter what he's done in the past, on this, he gets a round of applause because he stood up and did that. Now, have there been times that he hasn't been accountable or that he has lacked accountability or he has not allowed people, the constituents or others to hold him accountable? You bet it. He is an elected official just like all the rest of them, okay? They want to do right, but they want to win more than anything. So that happens. But I give him a lot of credit for what he's done, all right? I, I really do that. Not looking necessarily for the vote, not doing this and that, because that was a very controversial deal, what was going on there. And ending that situation with that plant put Muncie in a situation where it could have faced litigation and loss of money and possible loss of business in the future. So it was a sticky situation. And he said, hey, I made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I have not done right. And I realized that and I will do better. And now that is accountability. Now, where we have to go from here is to find out, does he truly mean it? Or is he saying it just because... The election is in three and a half months, and that's where we have to keep active and keep involved. 
that's where you can't just cast your vote and attend a meeting and say, okay, I'm done. They've got it. It's in their hands. You have to keep involved with your vote. The people that you elected, are they doing right? Are they doing wrong? The people that you support now, you might not support in two months. That's okay. People that you don't support now, you might be supporting them in two months. Politics is like the biggest soap opera there is. Nobody is all good. Nobody is all bad. As soon as you feel like Victor Newman has amnesia and doesn't remember everybody and he's caught in the abandoned mine, he will be back with Nikki and they'll be voting on this and that. And boom, there he is. Nobody's all good. Nobody's all bad. Everybody's got something a little shady going on, and that's what we got to try to get out of, but we got to try to keep them all held accountable. And one way we do that is by maintaining transparency. Okay? So you have to determine what you're willing to do to keep these people accountable. Are you willing to ask questions? Are you going to go to council meeting after council meeting and get up on the record in front of everybody and in front of the officials and ask the same four questions for six meetings in a row, knowing they're not going to answer you and that they're getting mad, but you're proving a point? you got to be willing to do that. I did that in Winchester. I've done that in the city of Muncie. I've done that in Richmond. I've done it in Gaston. You have to be willing to do that because that's how you keep them honest and you hold them to their word and you make them accountable because you keep that stuff on the record and you let it be known that they're not doing their job. Hey, I'm asking questions and they're just sitting here like bumps on the log and every time I get up and speak, you know, the next thing I hear is crickets. And that's not okay, and that's not acceptable. And if you don't start answering questions, ha, we're going to vote your asses out. But getting back there then to transparency, the way that you hold them accountable, like I said, is through transparency. So by getting your questions answered, by making sure that they're doing what they can to let you know what they're doing at all times. They work for you. They're spending your tax money. They're putting laws in place and rules in place that govern you. So you have a right to know. And anytime they think that you don't, you smack them right in the face with I, I don't mean literally, I mean figuratively, with the law. You know, every state has something similar to an access counselor, and it might be a commission, and there might be different ways it's looked at, whether it's an appointed position or whatnot, but I'm just going to talk about the state of Indiana right now. In Indiana, we have an office of people that work for the citizens for the state called the Indiana Public Access Counselor. Okay? Right now, the Indiana Public Access Counselor's name is Luke Britt. He's appointed by the governor. He has a couple deputies that run around in there. And their job 
is to make sure that all the towns, cities, counties, and that the state government, all the officials, and all of the governmental agencies are in compliance with the public access laws, the open door laws, the record request laws, is this meeting open, is this meeting closed, making sure that there is transparency within the government of the state of Indiana, all the way from the state, all the way down to the little three-horse town, or all the way up to Indianapolis. You know, as citizens, this is your tool to keep these people in check. I use the public access counselor and the handbook that the public access counselor puts out and the laws and the rules surrounding the public access counselor and records request and open door laws to my ability all the freaking time and it has helped me absolutely tremendously. Now, I will put in the description of this episode the links to get to the Indiana Public Access Counselor and to get to the handbook and do all of that, but it's at indiana.gov backslash P as in Paul, A as in Adam, C as in Charles, PAC, the Public Access Counselor, indiana.gov backslash PAC. And that's where you can get to the mission statement and the resources to file complaints, to look up information. The handbook they put out every couple years, and a new public access counselor will release a new handbook as they're appointed. And what it does is it gives you all this information. Handbook on the Indiana Public Access Laws, Office of the Public Access Counselor, Table of Contents, Section 1, Overview of the Indiana Open Door. Commonly asked questions. Who has access to governmental meetings? What governmental meetings are open to the public? What is a public agency? What is a governing body? What is a meeting? What is not a meeting? Can a member of a governing body attend a meeting electronically? What is an official action? What is a serial meeting? What if the need for public meeting is uncertain? What is significant about executive sessions? When must a public agency give notice of an executive session? When can a governing body take final action on executive session subject matter? Now, the reason executive session was named over boom, 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 because an executive session is a meeting of elected officials, of public officials that are behind closed doors, not open or not accessible by the public or by the press. And those are very scary things sometimes. Now, they don't always have to be. In a lot of cases, a lot of places will deal with the executive sessions very infrequently. It's normally only dealt to hire and fire people. There's no final actions that are supposed to be taken in executive sessions. Now, there are all sorts of thoughts about what goes on and what could go on. But there's supposed to be checks in place. However, it is my very, very, very stringent opinion that executive sessions should be used 
as absolutely infrequently as possible. Okay? If you're talking about transparency, and I don't care if a candidate talks about transparency, I don't care if an official talks about transparency, I don't care. That's lip service to me. Transparency is what we are demanding. Now, I don't know how far you'll go to defend that with me and to fight for that with me. Will you be willing to vote these people out? That's what you got to do. You got to be willing to stand up. You got to know these rules. You got to know what to fight for. And you got to know the ins and outs to be able to do all this stuff. But as far as local government goes, everything should be transparent or as much as possible. I understand there are hirings and firings and things like that. I get it. But after you do that quick executive session to make that determination, then you come back out, you have the meeting, and you do your final action. But for transparency and for light to disinfect the dirt and the grime and the dark, we need open door, transparent information between our elected officials and each other, and we need to be able to see just what the hell's going on. The government must be transparent. The citizens must be able to know what's going on, why it's going on, what you're doing, what you're thinking, or else we have a problem and you're being in the dark about this and I don't want you in office any longer. Okay? It's just that simple. People may say, well, why does this matter? You know, you're just being too hard on this. Let me explain to you something. I'll give you another example. In the city of Muncie, there is currently a four-year-long FBI investigation going on because there were open-door meetings. There were meetings that people were paying attention to and meetings that people were going to, and there were still things going on in the dark behind closed doors that shouldn't have been happening and tax dollars were being taken and people were doing wrong and now we have an FBI investigation in which one former appointed official is now in federal prison several more have been indicted and you have a breakdown in the trust of the government you have all transparency seems to be lost, whether it is or not. And now there are still good people in the city government of Muncie. Not everybody is bad, but you have a public that thinks that. That's why this is so important. It's because without transparency and without accountability, you have no trust and you have a complete breakdown. It's what leads to people saying, you know what, they're going to do what they're going to do. It doesn't matter. I don't need a vote. I shouldn't care about what's going on because they're going to do whatever it is that they want to do, and my thoughts and my feelings and my vote doesn't matter. And that is absolutely incorrect. Your vote does matter. Your voice does matter. And if you would get up and you would go to these council meetings and you would express your feelings and your thoughts and more and more people would do it, they would see. All it takes 
is for a few people to start getting involved. And then that spreads that idea. With It's like a, a pond, dropping a rock into a pond. And that ripples out. And it by the time it reaches the shore, it's so big and it's powerful. And what you've done has really made a difference. That's why this platform, Perception is Reality, matters. It's not just me talking into this microphone for you guys to listen on a Tuesday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon. It is real-life stuff. Folks, there's nothing more important than family and friends, where you live, your community, and we have to understand that we all play a part in trying to make, or we should all play a part in trying to make this the best community we live in. Whether that's in New York or Florida or Texas or Colorado or Winchester, Indiana or Muncie, Indiana or Indianapolis, Indiana. Wherever you live, if you're listening to this, you ought to be saying, am I making a difference? And let me tell you, the biggest way to make a difference is for you to first realize that you're in control. You have the power. You're not the little peon and the mayor's the big bad person and the council's the big bad people and they know it all because they don't. A lot of times, most of the times, they're confused people that really don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. And we have to let them know you need to work your tails off to make sure what you're doing is right because we're going to hold you accountable and we're going to make sure that you're being transparent because if you're not being transparent, if you're wanting to run everything in the dark through executive sessions without people being able to get your records, all of that crap is wrong. Let me tell you something here that really bugs me. And I want to make sure people are aware of this. Do you know that there are officials in Winchester, there are officials in Muncie, and probably everywhere else that conduct city business with their personal private emails? Let's talk about this for just one moment. All right, nationally, remember when it was a big deal that Hillary Clinton had private internet servers? And they were talking about whether or not she should go to prison for that or this or that. The FBI was going to talk to her or do this or that. And everybody lost their minds. Democrats were trying to say, oh, da, da, da. And Republicans were saying she should go to prison. She knew better, blah, blah, blah. Well, how is it any different on a local level if Sean Byram is conducting business on a private email account. Now, he doesn't. The mayor of Winchester uses a Winchester email address. But all five city council members do not. They're sending emails from HeadlightChild69 and Rocketman32 and a bunch of other crap that doesn't, first of all, seem professional when you're conducting business with outside people. 
You know, it kills me to think that they are getting bids and talking to businesses and trying to bring people into the community. But furthermore, what if they're conducting business? Because let me tell you about this, folks. And I'm going to do a big show about this coming up. I'm going to do a show about how to access records. And we're going to go through the record requests, the app or the access to public records and the Freedom of Information Act, all that stuff. We're going to talk about that more in detail at a later date. But think about this. If you have officials who are conducting business at City Council District 1 at winchester.in.gov and Mayor of Winchester at winchester.indiana.gov or City Council District 1 at cityofmuncie.gov or City Clerk at cityofmuncie.gov whatever, whatever the thing is. If it is the city or the county or the town or the state email address and we want to inspect those records like we have right to do or they leave office and new people come in and want to continue on where they were at. That's easy to be done. But if Mo Lennington is using Rocketman, Rocketboy number 32 at yahoo.com and he leaves office at the end of December and his new council member comes in and they're at treeclimber69 at aol.com where is the transfer of all of those records? What if something happens next year that reflects back on 2019 and as a journalist, I say, whoa, I want to get those records from July 21st, 2019 from Mo Lennington when he was a city councilor and he says, you know what, toss off. Now, I would fight that fight and we would have to fight that battle. But think how much it would easier it would be if Mo Lennington was using councilor district number two at winchester.gov and when he left office and the new district two councilor came in and took over that email... I could request that. Why should officials be using private emails? The city of Muncie has a server that allows them to email, yet when you issue a records request to the city of Muncie, here's what you hear. Oh, that official doesn't use our email service, and so we have nothing to provide you we'll have to kick that records request to that official and they'll have to provide you the information. Now, sometimes you'll be requesting things from officials who get right on it. Dan Reidenauer has always been right on it with any records request. Linda Gregory has been on it. But then you have some like Jerry Dishman who say, I don't even get an email. I don't know how to email anything. I don't email anything. I've never received anything from Julius Anderson. Right now, they are in violation of records requests. They've just never done anything. You can't tell me these people aren't getting emails. First of all, I know they are. 
because the other people that are complying have emails with the email addresses all at the top, and I see that Julius is getting emails. So, first of all, he's in violation. And second of all, it's just mind-boggling that they are allowed to do this from their private emails. Now, one way to do this is for the citizens of the community to say, listen, city councilors, we expect you to use your city-provided email. Don't tell me you don't know how to log on. Don't tell me you haven't figured out how to get on, how to access it, how to check that shit. If that's the case, figure it out. We're going to hold you accountable because we expect transparency. So the easiest way to do this would be for citizens of Muncie to go to the council meeting and during the public concerns or public comments portion of the meeting say, hey, council members, I'm going to go down the line. Do you use the city server for your email address to email each other and business people and conduct city business? Do you? Do you? Do you? All nine of them. And... Whoever says what, if any of them says, yes, I do, say, well, great, thanks. For every one of them that says, no, I use my private email, then we say, you know what, shame on you. That's not good enough for us. We understand that might be how you used to do it, but we expect you to do it off the Muncie City server or the New York, New York City server or the wherever you're listening from gov server because that is how you expect transparency that's just one little thing think about all of the stuff that they're doing they could be doing another official might do later on because that's the way it's been done and just saying, well, that's the way they have always done it, so that's the way we're going to do it, that's not good enough. For those of us citizens that are active and involved, that is not good enough. We demand transparency, and we demand accountability. And if they don't want to be transparent or accountable then throw the bums out. You're listening to Perception Is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilberry, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, the 39th episode of Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it's on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever major podcast hosting site that you use, or if you listen at the home link of perception.fireside.fm. I want to thank you for all that you do. For contacting me, being a part of the show, debating, agreeing, giving me the information that you do, and for spreading the show. That's the biggest thing that you can do. Tell your friends and your family, 
hey, you got to check this guy out. Whether you agree or you disagree, whether you think I know what I'm talking about or whether you think I'm an idiot, spread the word, bring people to the show so we can have more people and more dialogue. That is what it's always about. Until next time, stay active, stay involved, and continue attempting to better your local government through your own citizen involvement. Thank you very much, and we'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.